talk about some of these. Uh, I guess you just call them mainstream movies, right? Yeah. Like big studio movies. Yeah, I think it's like, well, I guess, how do you view a mainstream? I don't do, do you go on cast or do you go on budget or do you go on I think prestige? I, I think I go on premise. Premise? Yeah. To me, if it feels like a... I think it's a mixture all of of all of them, mm-hmm. but premise plays into it for me. Like if it just is like a, I've seen this before. This is a standard, almost formulaic movie. I would consider it mainstream because I think I feel like no one is going to go through the time and effort to produce an independent movie that is just like, uh, Mad Libs. You know what I'm saying? Of just like take character A and character B and do these things. You know what I'm trying to say? Yeah, kind of. I I don't agree, but I understand what you're saying. Okay. Well, either way, I guess we'll figure it out as we go. Right. These are the movies I have listed as mainstream movies. And and this is and we're we're talking about mainstream movies for the fall. For the fall. Right. And we're going right. all the way through the end of the year. Right. So uh and I and these will be somewhat in chronological chronological order i think it, it that falls apart towards the end but we'll see right so the light between oceans now this this is being directed by the guy who did blue valentine which is the only movie of, of his i've seen and the place beyond the pines and the place beyond the pines which i did not see mm-hmm. you've seen both of it's, those i'm assuming yeah it's good uh did you like blue valentine i did so are you interested in seeing the light between oceans you know, I'm I'm interested on paper, but then I saw the trailer. Uh huh. Did you see the trailer? Mm-hmm. It it this trailer honestly made me think like I need to stop watching trailers because I would have been interested in this because I like I love Michael Fassbender. I really like this director, and then I watched the um trailer, and it just seems extremely melodramatic. You know, it's all about a. A baby that this couple finds that then they try and raise, but then right. the biological mother comes in at a much later point and then it becomes this kind of custody battle, it seems like to me. And there's just a whole lot of crying, mm-hmm. a whole lot of hand wringing, a whole lot of hugging, and mm-hmm. just tears all throughout it. Yeah. And I just, oh, and then, you know, people are saying like apparently Michael Fassbender in a, Alicia Vikander mm-hmm. who's really good. Apparently they're, they're like a item now because of this movie. Mm-hmm. And I've heard people say like, see them fall in love in real time or whatever. It's like, I don't care about that. I don't care yeah, no. about that. You know, now the place on, on the pines, I wasn't very interested in. I watched it and I really, really enjoyed it. So that's his latest movie or was yeah, that that's before? His last Blue- movie. Okay. Um, and I had no interest in that. So, you know, he, he, he's smarter than me cinematically. So I should trust him. But it seems, it just seems I just, so melodramatic. Yeah, I just don't know what the takeaway, like what lesson, what am I supposed to get from, because the premise, like you said, it's, it's a couple who lives on an island who have had. In a, a couple, lighthouse, right? Or Maybe. Yeah. Who have had a couple of miscarriages. And then this boat shows up on their island with a dead guy in it and a baby. And so they adopt the baby and then 
years later, for whatever reason, they're on the mainland and they run into this woman who's like, oh, I lost my mm. baby and she would be your kid's age now. And he realizes, oh, this probably is just <laughs> like, I don't know what the takeaway is from like, right. Like, I understand why that would be difficult for him. But like, what am I supposed to get out of mm-hmm. that? You know what I mean? Like dramatically, like, what is the lesson is the wrong word, but just like, what is like, what is what am what's the end goal of this? That's why like you need to see the movie. It's a crappy situation. Maybe that's like, what they're counting on for you to see the movie. But yeah, I, I think I think to me too, you kind of nailed it that the trailer, maybe the thing that really stands out to me is the fact that this apparently comes to a head because of a chance meeting. Mm-hmm. So you're like, okay, where are the odds of a baby being in a rowboat coming to shore on a couple who live in a lighthouse? Right. And then flash forward a few years and they bump into the mother at a party. It's just like pick one yeah, or the other. Right. You know what I mean? Like we can't have we can't have both of those coincidences in the in the same movie. Yeah. Uh, so we have Sully, which is a movie directed by Clint Eastwood, starring Tom Hanks and uh, Aaron Eckhart, and mm-hmm. it's about the guy who landed a plane in the Hudson. Is yep. that right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and one thing I'm starting to realize, and this list is solidifying for me, I don't care for movies based on true events Mm -hmm. unless it's like a completely obscure like almost Mm -hmm. not actually true story i'm just not interested Mm -hmm. i would rather have a documentary i would rather have a book i'd rather have a podcast if it doesn't even warrant longer than 20 (laughs) minutes you know what i mean just like give me the real version but one thing that i did um that I think I saw in the trailer that had me interested, somewhat interested is I, is I got kind of got the feeling that they would be looking at this idea of this sort of extraordinary event taking place. Uh, and for the people involved, it's obviously very real, right? And they have, they have the most intimate knowledge of the event. And then all of a sudden you get millions of outside Mm -hmm influencers Mm -hmm. saying that's not what really happened. Right. So that seems interesting to me. I don't know if this being like a major tentpole Clint Eastwood movie, they would actually explore something like that. Or if it'll just be like sort of a, a step along their staircase to Oscar nominations. Right. But that had me a little intrigued. Did you see flight? No. See, Flight is about Denzel Washington, who was high on drugs. There is a malfunction, mm-hmm. and he has to like invert the plane and makes this amazing kind of landing recovery. And the question is basically like that it raises is, could this pilot have done this if he wasn't high on drugs? Right. Probably not. Yeah. <laughs> so you can kind of make it make the point that the thing that endangered everybody actually ended up saving them. Right. So what do you do with that? And to me, it seems like an adaptation of the Sully storyline. Mm-hmm. When I watch his trailer, I'm like, "Where's the New Yorker article?" That's. I feel like that's all I need. It's just like the article that says basically, you know, here's an aviation expert who's like, "You didn't need to land it in the Hudson." Here's my reasoning, and then Sully being like. I did need to land it in the Hudson. Either way, I'm not there and I'm not an expert. So I don't know. All I know is that he landed in the Hudson. No one died. It seems like 
you know, any critique of that is missing the point mm -hmm. because no one died in it. Right. You know? So, uh, so then I, I look at Clint Eastwood and I look at the last few biopics he's done Invictus where Nelson Mandela features mm -hmm. in the rugby player movie, um, Jay Edgar. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, this is going to be Z, -Z Sully. Uh -huh. If Sully just a bunch of Z's uh -huh. and then Ollie. Yeah. Get it? I get it. Okay. <laughs> um, Blair Witch. We've talked about this a little bit. Well, we've talked about this a lot, actually. Yeah. Because we're both big fans of the original. Mm -hmm. You more so than me. Uh, and it's being handled by some very respectable directors. But the trailer is really... I think we've both, after some, amb some, sort of, some ambivalent feelings, we've both come down on agreeing that the trailer is bad. Mm -hmm. It's a bad trailer. Uh, so do you think, and, and when we were talking about before, I think what I, what I, uh, the question that I raised is, was that, is it a bad trailer because it's a bad, going to be a bad movie, or is it a bad trailer because they're trying to market it to the contemporary horror movie mm -hmm. fan base? Yeah, I think, <clears throat> so first I want to say like, Watching that trailer made me appreciate, you know, everyone's making fun of these uh, comic bros, these guys who just get so bent out of shape because you like diss a DC movie or oh, whatever. Right. Okay, I see what you're saying. Uh huh. And their fandom. Mm -hmm. Watching this trailer, I, I get it. I get how hard it is uh -huh. <laughs> to look at something that you are so excited for and actually vocalize your fear and say it doesn't it's not a good trailer that's not the way that i would sell it and the reason i say that isn't i'm not trying to monday uh morning quarterback the situation mm -hmm. <clears throat> but the definitive image from the first blair witch movie is heather donahue's confession mm -hmm. into the camera it's just this quiet moment of realization when she's finally saying, we're going to die out here. Mm -hmm. There's nothing more that we can do. And it's terrifying because it's just so quiet and intimate. Mm -hmm. Then you watch the new trailer and it's just people screaming. It's basically people who feel like they're going to die from the moment that they enter this woods. Mm -hmm. Seemingly, again, it's a, it's a trailer, but I don't see how all that screaming just comes from like a five minute climax. It really does feel like we're gonna find like forty five minutes just finding different ways for these people to scream and die or mm -hmm. whatever. So that's that was my concern. Um, I tried to avoid reading reviews because I, I just want to experience this movie, mm -hmm. but I gave in. And I read one review today um, just because I saw a link to it mm -hmm. and it was bloody disgusting. Their website. I read the review and they're going crazy for it. Mm -hmm. They love it. And I get to the bottom. It's like disclosure, bloody disgusting produced the ABCs of death and Adam Wingard <laughs> contributed like two segments. Mm -hmm. I was like, right. 
okay, great. I just like invalidated mm-hmm. this whole reading of this thing. So yeah, I, I, I think, I think you're right that they're trying to market to the base audience. Um, I saw a horror movie this weekend. Don't breathe, which is like the prime, like mm-hmm. mainstream market horror movie. And they played the trailer for Blair Witch before that. I can say in a, in a mostly full theater, people were pleased with that trailer. So I think it's doing what they want it to do. I'm hoping that the film itself does something more mm-hmm. than what the, what the trailer is showing. Yeah. Uh, we have a second based on true story movie, Snowden by Oliver Stone. Mm-hmm. Which looks Snowden. Yeah. Which looks like it looks like comically bad. Right? Like the like the 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 famous uh, already the infamous scene from the trailer is that Edward Snowden realizes the NSA is spying on everyone while looking at his webcam on his laptop while having sex with his girlfriend. It's like it's like if this NS Snowden NSA storyline was written by the worst criminal uh procedural TV writers. You know, I kind of feel it's like I've in trying to get prepared for the De Palma mm-hmm. um documentary, I I've, I've been going back and watching all of his films. Mm-hmm. It it feels like De Palma wrote it, you yeah. know, he's just going to put like sleaze in where he can. It's like, so what story do we have? Okay, well let's have him having sex. And then he finds out, right. you know? Yeah. Cause there's no way, right? There's no way. I mean, even if it is, it just is, uh, uh, it, it's just, it's, 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 I mean, I feel like, I feel like honestly what that is, is like an offhanded remark that's probably just like an offhanded remark from Edward Snowden being like it it got to a point where my paranoia was so bad to where like you know uh, like I couldn't even escape it when I was having sex. And Oliver Snowden just like, "Ah, that's it." <laughs> right? Or it could be have you seen you've seen Edward Snowden. Yeah. He could have been making that he he may never have had sex before. Sure. <laughs> yeah. So I was because like making it up, right? So I was in this huge orgy. There were like eight women there. <laughs> right. <laughs> I look at my camera. I'm filming it. Of course, I'm filming it. Yeah, and uh, and and none of that it, it even mentions how terrible Joseph Gordon-Levitt's impression of Edward Snowden is. Mm. I feel like he's had a tra- trajectory of like, like he started off of being like like the the new like it mm-hmm. guy in Hollywood, but then it was like it's like overexposure, right? Mm-hmm. It's like all of a sudden it's like. Okay, he does this like, like independent filmmaking website thing that's kind of garbage and seems like a nice guy overall, but it's like maybe we need to like give this guy some space a little bit. Maybe we don't need to see him all the time. Right. Um, as you say in the notes, he's getting a little Nick Cagey, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, it came to me when I was writing that. It just came to me. I was like, holy crap, is Joseph Gordon Levitt? Are the next generation's yeah. Nick Cage? Could, could you see him just kind yeah. of like absolutely turning into a complete absolutely. ham and then just going for it? He's too, he's just too committed, right? He doesn't mm-hmm. know when to not be at eleven. He's always at eleven, right? Uh, speaking of 
Hollywood it guys. Mm. The Magnificent Seven. Mm. Starring uh, Denzel Washington. The Magnificent Seven. I feel like you could call them the Magnificent Seven. That could be just their collective nickname. Right. And uh, Chris Pratt. Pratt. Ethan Hawke is in there. Uh Uh-huh. Yep. Directed by Antoine Fuqua. Fuqua. So how do you uh, feel about Are you excited for this movie? Are you interested in this movie? Written by Nick Pizzolat, bro. Right. Which I had no idea until you wrote in the notes. Yeah. I think... think uh, somebody made a made a good point that with a movie this big, the these are the kind of scripts that end up having like eight people on them, because then somebody else comes in, they're like punch it up and they get other writers to. So they're like, who knows how much Nick Pizzolatto actually like is represented right. in the final product? Because with Hollywood movies, you know they their kind of mo is to take out any of the original writer's um, voice. But I think that everyone's fooling themselves if they think this is going to be anything other than just a mainstream, overblown Western Mm -hmm. with a bunch of, you know, tough guys, tough guying it up uh, and trying to defend. Because it's a remake of... uh, Seven Samurai, right? Which is a mm-hmm. remake of The Magnificent Seven. No, it's a remake of The Magnificent Seven, which is a remake of Seven Samurai. Right. right. It's Yeah. I meant this. Yeah. I switched right. my tenses. Yeah. But yeah. You know, so I mean, de- defending this small outcropping, to me, it just by the visual style, it doesn't seem like it's interesting taking any interesting turns other than like, Let's watch these Magnificent Seven be magnificent, mm-hmm. you know? So, and not interested. I, I'll say this. I'm going to go out on a limb here. Now, I have not seen Chris Pratt in any movies that I know of. Not a fan of Chris Pratt. I don't get the hype. Guardians of the Galaxy? I haven't seen it. Oh. The only thing I've ever seen of Chris Pratt is all of the gifts that show up on Reddit of his Parks and Rec outtakes. Mm-hmm. And I don't even think those are funny. Uh, well, you won't like them. Then. Uh, Masterminds from the Napoleon Dynamite director. Now, you're a fan. Is this mainstream? Yeah. I mean, I would consider it mainstream. I guess I don't consider it mainstream because word on the street is that it's been shelved for like two years. Oh, but I mean, it's still getting like a wide release. Okay. That I think maybe that's the criteria. It's getting a wide release. But I mean. It even- will be in. The local theaters here in Virginia Beach, the first night on opening night. Yeah, that's mainstream. Some of the independent movies will too. Yeah, but this one will be in all of them. Mm-hmm. Um, Are you interested? This is actually this is the movie I was thinking of because we were just talking about the whole Malcolm Gladwell, Sarah Palin, mm-hmm. fraught cast thing. And to me, the, that entire so Malcolm Gladwell did a podcast about how the uh, Tina Fey's impression of Sarah Palin was was toothless, blah blah blah. And to me, it uh, it it's it it is a part of this larger idea that Hollywood kind of just makes fun of Southerners 
or people who like don't live in New York or Los Angeles because of the way they talk. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's basically all the Sarah Palin impression is. It's not making fun of the fact that she's insanely <laughs> unqualified to be uh, in any political office. It's just making fun of the way she talks. Mm-hmm. Right. And to me, the entire masterminds trailer is these people are funny because they talk funny. There's not actually anything funny in the trailer. It just is because they're saying it with a funny Southern accent. Right. It, and I, for me, it makes me curious about Zach Galifianakis. Do you think he's funny? Well, that's the thing I wanted to say, too, is like Zach Galifianakis is regarded as a comedic genius. And yet he does not have a single good movie. Like, like what good movie is he? What good performance or funny performances he put into any movie? Now, I haven't seen any of the Hangover movies. You know. Okay, but that's what I'm saying. Like, The Hangover, what was the movie he was in with Robert Downey Jr.? Due Date. Due Date. Which, like, is, which is, again, based on Listen to Me Talk. Right. Me. And the political movie with Will Ferrell, which is, yeah. like, the key, like, the biggest example of, like, Listen to me talk funny, mm-hmm. you know, and, and Southern. Yeah. Very Southern and effeminate. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't get his shtick, but I've seen him be funny on his, in Between Two Ferns, that kind of fake talk show he does. Yeah, I, that's, I can I I've gone back to a funny. few of those. Like, his Steve Carell episode on that mm-hmm. is pretty hilarious. Yeah. But, no, when I watch this and then... With Jared Hess, the the director, right? He's just he's the M Night Shyamalan of comedy films. Just now, what else? Is, he's done Napoleon Dynamite, mm-hmm. Nacho Libre, and what else? Gentlemen Broncos. Uh, he did, he did <laughs> okay a movie called Don Verdine. Oh wow, I've never Which, heard of that. Yeah, I watched both of those, and um, they're both bad. Yeah, well, they're both not good. Mm-hmm. You know, I can say that much. Both have Sam Rockwell, Jermaine Clement. Like, he has his roster and he keeps going back to it. And I don't know why they keep going back, you know. But I, I love um, Nacho Libre. I love Napoleon Dynamite. Mm-hmm. But it's just been steady decline. So I think they said this is the first one that he didn't co-write or that his wife didn't write. Mm-hmm. I think it's his wife. Um, so I think that's like the hope. And it has like Kristen Wiig. It has um, Kate McKinnon. Right. It has Zach Galifianakis. It has like all these. Jason Sudeikis. Jason Sudeikis. I mean, it has all these hilarious people. I think people are hoping for good things. But I think it's like Magnificent Seven. You're, you're kidding yourself if you think it's going to be anything other than what it will be, which is just kind of a, an absurd oddity. Mm-hmm. Uh, American Pastoral, which is based on the Philip K. Dick, not Philip no. K. Dick, Philip Roth, Roth book, directed by Ewan McGregor. Yeah, did he direct That's it? Who's in the, did you starring. watch the trailer? Yeah, he directed it because I was reading about, because this is this is the thing. I've read American Pastoral. Right. Apparently, I, at some point in time, I've yeah, read it. Yeah, you did. I don't remember anything about I remember oh. one thing about it. There are pages upon pages of the narrator describing his um, either the narrator or the main character because they're two different people describing their father's leather glove making plant 
And that is somehow the most like compelling and memorable portion of the book. Like mm. just pages of describing these workers working with leather and stitching it together. And it just was like mesmerizing for some reason. <laughs> right. That's, and that's really all I remembered of the book. And so I went to Wikipedia to reread the like plot synopsis. And then I was like, Oh, okay. I remember all this stuff. But upon doing that, I was reading about the movie and apparently this is a movie that's been trying to mm-hmm. be, be made over the past however many years. Right. And eventually Ewan McGregor got the rights and directed it. So this is his directorial debut. He's also starring in it. Yeah. So did you watch the trailer? I did not. I'm, I'm actually trying to avoid it because I want to read the novel maybe before this comes out. Mm-hmm. I was really kind of hoping to hear what you had to say, but with you not... Yeah, remembering I'm, the, uh, the the biggest problem I had with the book is that it it's kind of a obviously I read it after American Beauty, but it was basically American, American Beauty, Beauty before American Beauty, just the the dissolution of American suburban life. Okay, it just is kind of like by the time I came to it, it was like I'm tired of this stuff. Mm. That's more or less what it is. Uh. So I'm not interested in seeing it. Even anymore. even after watching the trailer? No. Uh Rings. Have we been excited about any movie so far? Blair Witch. I feel Blair, like we need I'm excited for Blair Witch. A, a quick recap. No. It's just Blair Witch. Okay. Just Blair Witch. Okay. Rings. The, the, move the, on. The long awaited third because there was a rings too right so yes. this is the third movie in the ring rings two directed by the guy who did ringu the first ever right. ring movie that mm-hmm. uh the ring adapted um and ring two is terrible rings made me wonder what uh, i know what the studio is thinking horror movies sell Bloomhouse Productions has proven right. that it, you can make horror movies for cheap and make profit, but there's nothing about this Rings movie to me that stands out and says, like, I'm interested in doing something new or different with the genre. It has everything to do with, like, what's the visual stylings of The Grudge and The Ring, right. and let me just ape that. But um. No one from the original cast, right? Naomi Watts isn't back or yeah, I'm anybody sure. from that. We're following new people. They look young and attractive and just, you know, it's like it, I had hope for Lights Out this mm-hmm. uh, summer. I went and saw that in the theater because I liked the gimmick. But I knew by the trailer, I was like, this guy's not interested in telling a different story. He just has a really good visual gimmick. And that's exactly what proved to happen. Yeah, The story itself is just wrote. By the numbers, not interested in saying anything new. And the visual was great. And this one is like, here's a competent director. He can, you know, knows how to place a camera. But based on just the characters that you see in the trailer, none of that inspires, you know, interest in me. Yeah. So not interested. Yeah, I would say Rings is... is is what we are afraid Blair Witch will be. Exactly. Yeah. Rings, this Rings movie looks terrible. Mm-hmm. Uh, Loving, which is, again, a based on a true story, except this has two strikes right off the box for me. Based on a true story, mm-hmm. and it's historical. 
right? This is like aren't a, all based on like true stories? This, this is like historical? a period piece. Like Sully is like from within the past ten years. What was the other one? Clint just... Eastwood has a magic touch of making even recent, you know, films <laughs> Snowden based on look the last like 10 they years. were. So but, the last ten years is not historical. I mean, anything older than a decade, it's relatable. Is... It's within my lifetime. You're All more right. than ten years old. Okay, so, so anything within my lifetime <laughs> is what I'm saying. Is is I I I will not write off. But once you get back into like whatever this takes place, the 30s or the 50s Days or whatever, is historical. Yeah, it is historical. It's the 70s. Guess what? That was 50, almost 50 years ago. Ugh. This movie looks boring to me. Super boring. The only reason it's on this list is because it's directed by Jeff Nichols, who you really like. Mm-hmm. And I don't think I've seen, I've seen Shotgun Stories. It's really good. Did he do Mud? He did Take Shelter. I didn't he see did that. Mud. I did see Mud. Yeah. Mud was all right. Midnight Special. I didn't see Midnight Special. I mean, I would say go back and watch Take Sh- Take Shelter. It's one of my like all time favorite films. And but with that being said, all of those movies. Well, I guess Mud doesn't. But like, doesn't Take Shelter and Take Shelter have? I know that um, what was Michael his, Shannon? I know no like, is it called Midnight Special? Mm-hmm. I know Midnight Special has like a supernatural ish mm-hmm. thing to it. Take Shelter does too, right? Um. It has like a psychological right psychological it. It, right. it leaves you questioning what's real and what's not this movie looks like just a straight up period piece drama it is. yeah right so and yeah. that's is boring to me. right not right and it, it seems like he's this is his oscar film it seems right. like he's just like i want to make an oscar film but i want to make a sincere one and something that that speaks to our day so it's about a interracial couple right in the 50s in the south right the South is a big thing, I'm realizing, this fall. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and so, yeah, I, I trust him, but I anticipate that he's not interested in doing anything but saying, like, here's my version of an Oscar movie. Yeah. Okay. But, but it has Ruth Nega in it. Right. No, who I'm not a fan of. <laughs> oh, that's right. You didn't like her in Preacher. Right. <laughs> Take that back. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Hacksaw Ridge, Mel Gibson's... Possibly triumphant return. <laughs> <laughs> I saw his his last movie actually just the other night, uh-huh. Bloodfather. Uh huh. I've never even heard of it. Yeah, it's like just this independent revenge thriller. Not good. But he's. I like him. I've always liked him, like as an actor. Not as not an actor, a, sure. Yeah. I don't know how you can still be on board with Mel Gibson. I mean, even even. I try and give all of these like screw ups the benefit of the doubt. Mm-hmm. I still cannot get on board with Mel Gibson. Yeah. It's like he just seemed like a jerk, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, did you watch the trailer for this? I did. It looks bad. It looks it, really it bad. It looks super melodramatic. And, you know, it's this conscientious subjector to the war who saves, again, based on a true story and it's historical. So it's got two more strikes. For, for you. Right. I think the only thing that saves is that it's based on a true story. That this guy actually did save people. But I just imagine like, just get ready for scene after. I mean, how many times can you watch a guy pull another guy bleeding from rubble and make yeah. that interesting? Because that, that's basically what he did. So I understand like, here's a, a action sequence 
and he's going to run out there, dodge bullets and grab guys. And then he basically repeats, you know, that process unless, well, I guess Hacksaw Ridge, he's focusing on one attack. Mm-hmm. So, um, so we'll, we'll see, but yeah, get ready for a lot of slow motion of Andrew Garfield, right. Pulling injured men to safety. That's, yeah. that's the movie. And here's my issue with a lot of these movies. Hacksaw Ridge, I've seen it before, right? I've seen a million war movies, right? I know more or less what this movie's doing. Loving. I've, maybe I haven't seen it before because I don't like this type of movies. <laughs> but there are a thousand other movies. But you that make are assumptions about movies all the time. More so. or less telling the loving story. But I mean, right. still, they're fitting right, into no, this yeah, you know it boring framework. I've seen it, but I, I, I've either seen it before or I know there's a thousand other places where I can right. see it. Or it's a compilation. Or of where like, I can get that story. Yeah, different movies. Uh, we get our first and what I think is only comic book movie. And I was really bracing myself when this came up on, on these lists I was looking at because I thought, oh boy, here's the, right, here's the snowball before the avalanche. Mm-hmm. But I think this is the only one. Yeah. yeah. So Doctor Strange. <laughs> uh-huh. Which, not interested. I have seen no comic book movies. I think Iron Man is the only one I've seen, and I never saw any. No, I saw Iron Man, I saw Thor, and I saw, of course, the Spider-Man movies. Why, of course? And Batman, because those came out before the big glut of comic book movies. Mm -hmm. Those came out when a comic book movie was like an actual big event, right? Mm -hmm. Now it just is like, oh, it's June. Here's a comic book movie. Oh, it's July. Okay, some more comic movies. Okay, it's fr- It's opening night on Friday, so of course there's a new comic book movie out. Mm-hmm. Are you interested at all in Doctor Strange? I, you know, you've seen all the comic book movies. Yeah, I, I don't know. Th- this again made me wonder what Marvel is expecting because Scott Derrickson has done The Exorcism of Emily Rose, which I really liked. Pretty much everything else he's done, I thought, was not good. So having him on board did not make me excited, but I do like Benedict Cumberbatch. I do love Tilda Swinton. Um, what I've seen from this movie uh, does not inspire confidence, mm-hmm. but I like the idea that they seem to be going outside of their comfort zone visually, but it does make me think because you start introducing all these characters in Doctor Strange we're going to learn more, but he almost has the ability to like manipulate space and time. Almost seems like, like how do you put him in a movie with Hawkeye and Hawkeye add any benefit to the battle? (laughs) It's like, you know what I mean? Like, is he telling Dr. Strange to hold on? He needs to fire this arrow really quick before he just folds time in on itself and just, you know, like, uh, warps them out of there. Like, I just don't, I don't understand the levels of hierarchy in the Marvel. And you didn't see Civil War, which I, I really liked, Captain mm-hmm. America's Civil War. But you have that problem already with like this character Vision and Scarlet Witch who are just way overpowering everybody around them. But they just need to, for the battle, be like, oh, they're fighting each other off in the corner. Don't worry. Mm-hmm. But while like Spider-Man is throwing webs and and you know Captain America's throwing a shield you have Vision and Scarlet Witch like stealing powers and freezing time and creating wormholes you know and you're like what's what's going on over there like they need to get in on the main fight
going to be the first, I think, movie that we are both excited about or curious for. Arrival. The Denis, Denis Villeneuve movie. So he directed Enemy, which we both saw and really liked. Yeah. Uh, I've liked everything. Prisoners, which you... Prisoners, which I didn't really care for didn't that care much. Didn't care for by And I I, that's all I've seen. Oh, you didn't see um, Sicario? Sicario? Mm -mm. Mm. That was good. Sicario is really good. So Arrival is about... Uh, oh, and Unsundi. I didn't see that. Okay. Um, oh, and... No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Arrival is about aliens who arrive on the planet. Mm-hmm. And uh, based on a true story, <laughs> right? Uh, I try. I watched the trailer once, and I was telling you that I had mixed emotions all throughout, mm -hmm. and I came away kind of confused on how I felt about it, but ultimately just being like, not that high on it. But I think because of the director and just because of the premise alone, I'm interested. Like it, it is at least mm -hmm. an interesting premise. It's not like once <laughs> these two dorks fall in love or whatever like right. that's boring um so i think because of that i'm interested i definitely will want to see it did you i tried to watch but i tried to watch the trailer again to like really hammer out why i felt so conflicted about mm -hmm. it and then i couldn't even make it all the way through just like i uh, will watch something <laughs> else uh you, you know what my fear about this is that it's going to turn out to be his close encounters of the third kind right which is like let me take an alien invasion but like spin it positive mm -hmm. i kind of don't want that and i know that maybe that's a bad thing because i want just hollywood to you know perpetrate the same you know do cycle you, right do you like close encounters i do not i kind of feel like that is one of those movies where you have to have really like been there at the time yeah. to really like that movie because I I wanted to like it a lot and I didn't really just yeah. didn't really care for it that much. Yeah, it's got moments that I really like. Yeah, but as a whole, and when they get to the end, it has the same issue. You know, I guess here's here's my. I'm just too much of a pessimist to enjoy movies like that. I feel the same way about. Um, oh shoot, what's James Cameron's? I can't believe I'm forgetting now. Oh, the Abyss. The Abyss. Now the Abyss is great. The Abyss is great. But again, when in the end it's revealed that they're like, oh, spoiler alert for the abyss, mm -hmm. that they're like a peaceful race. Mm -hmm. I just remember being like, internally, I was like, oh, I'm going to get, you know, <laughs> like even, even contact. Mm -hmm. Like there, there's just all these like hopeful, positive movies. And look, now's the time to do it in this climate of the Independence Day you know, part two that came out mm -hmm. and all these global destruction movies and global warming epidemic stuff to, to give us something hopeful in our, in our movies is something that would be like shocking and mm -hmm. counter to our culture. At the same time, I don't want to come in an alien movie. I just kind of want the aliens to destroy us mm -hmm. or have a fight break out. And I just have a feeling because this whole movie is kind of about this woman trying to translate their speech mm -hmm. and it's about communication that right now is not the good time, not a good time to say, Hey, there's no chance for good communication between two you know, forces that don't fully understand each other. Mm -hmm. um, so it makes sense for it to be a positive message, mm -hmm. but I know that I, I tend to the last 15 minutes of those movies 
instead of being inspired, I tend to check out and I'm just like, <laughs> everyone, yeah, they're going to be reunited with someone they lost mm-hmm. or they're just going to like go be with these alien people forever. Not interested. Yeah. Yeah. But they have tentacles. All right. So I don't know. Seems yeah. pretty uh, menacing. And I think we both, well, I don't know where you, I can't remember where you found, but I think w- with the Fermi Paradox episode, I've solidified my stance that if an alien race does find us, they are not going to be nice. No. They are going to yes. want to destroy us. Yes. Yeah. yeah, no. Anything, any being coming here is not because they want to lo- Like, look at our culture. <laughs> What does our culture have? They're not coming here to figure out like how we built the Sphinx and the pyramids. You know, they're coming here basically saying, you got something we want. We're going to take it. Yeah. And either we're out of here after we take it or eh, it seems like a pretty good place to live for a while. But yeah, we don't have a net positive to offer any being coming to our planet. Okay, uh, Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. This is a Harry Potter movie. Mm-hmm. That's all I know about it. They're expanding the universe. Yeah, I haven't seen any Harry Potter stuff. Here's the thing. They're expanding the universe by using the same director who did the last you know, few films in that series. Mm-hmm. So, again, I just feel like they're just... But you don't like that consistency? Also, let me correct. I said perpetrating. I meant perpetuating. Uh-huh previously sure apologies to anybody sure. listening because i know that's uh-huh. what gets our responses i was going to do it again right now right but yeah they're, they're perpetrating the same thing um perpetuating i did it again mm-hmm. um did you ask am i interested are you interested yes are you interested i love I that mean, universe of course you are I-, I love that universe i just feel like write another harry potter story yeah yeah i don't i don't i'm i'm not honestly as interested in this, and I want to get a sense of what the movie is, because right now it seems like Eddie Redmayne, who's an idiot, puts a lot of beasts in a briefcase mm-hmm. and lets them loose in the muggle or slash real world. Mm-hmm. And I just want to be like, so is he an idiot? Like, why would he do that? Is he a mm-hmm. villain? Like, I don't have a sense yet of like what the inciting incident is. But um, so this character comes from the Harry Potter books, or this just takes place in the Harry Potter universe. Harry Potter universe. Okay, it's another book that she wrote. Right. Oh, Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. That's a ancillary book that she wrote. Right. This is adapting and expanding that. Uh, Rogue One, which is a Star Wars movie. I am. I'm. I'm watching through the Star Wars films with my son right now. Mm-hmm. He's loving it. It's making me love it. Um. I'm fully on board with the Star Wars franchise. Are you watching the prequels as well? We just finished up episodes uh, four, five, and six. Okay. We are now going back to the prequels. Okay. Starting this weekend with episode one. Uh I'll keep you informed. Sure. Um, But uh, Rogue One is now... Have you read any of the production delays and notes on it? Mm -mm. So apparently they brought in Dan Gilroy to kind of reshoot some stuff. Mm -hmm. And Gareth Edwards, who did um, Godzilla. Right. Godzilla looks great. The story is a mess. Right. And I'm not, and I I believe those rumors, so I'm a little disappointed 
um, to hear about these reshoots. Right. And it's honestly impacting my excitement for the film. And I think I'm putting a lot of stock in this one because after this, it's going to be like Star Wars every year. We're going to get an extenuation of the Star Wars main story and we're going to get ancillary stories of the side characters. And if Rogue One's not good, I, I don't know how I'll be excited for the Han Solo movie, which is the next one they're doing. Mm-hmm. So I hope it's good. Now I'm, I'm very uh, nervous. Uh, Assassin's Creed. This movie is going to be terrible. It's going to be. There's no way this movie's not terrible. I watched the director's adaptation of Macbeth. Uh huh. Who's the director? He's a guy who did Snowtown Murders. Nope. Macbeth. He did something before Macbeth, I thought. Yeah. Something else. But, uh, Fassbender. Michael Fassbender as the star of Assassin's Creed is as baffling a decision as Jake Gyllenhaal as the star of Prince of Persia. Like, like I have a lot of respect for, I like Jake Gyllenhaal a lot. Uh, I understand that Michael Fassbender is a widely respected actor. I have no idea why he's in this movie. It makes no sense whatsoever. To, to me, it's because of the, um, for me, I guess I would think this, because of the director and because he wants money. Yeah, I mean, it's obviously money, but. Yeah. Yeah, this, this movie, I, I'm going to say right now this movie is terrible. Going to be terrible. It, it, it's not promising, especially because I've, have you played the um, games? I, yeah, I played the first one for a little bit. And then I think the only other one I played was Black Flag, but I played a ton of Black Flag. Mm-hmm. That game was a lot of fun. I have to say the, the biggest knock for me against the movie is the last trailer I saw showed him do the leap into the Bale of Hay. <laughs> right. and it looks so stupid. It looks so, <laughs> so stupid. And I was like, if they feel compelled to like give us those game moments visually and like, yeah, because the game does it really, really good. The well, right. game looks great. Yeah. You know, and when I was playing, I, I would just love to climb to places and just right. leap off of it. Yeah. And the the movie version just makes it look goofy. Yeah. Okay. And then we get hit with this, I want to say unprecedented uh, knucklehead double, double feature of Deepwater Horizon and Patriot's Day. Two, I don't even know what Patriot's Day is. Two blockbuster movies that are both directed by Peter Berg and starring Mark Wahlberg. <laughs> How does this happen in one calendar year? So the, are those opening like back? No, what, what one, if it's like opening like a double bill. Yeah, one <laughs> is like opening next month, and I think one is opening in like November. But it just is like. What's Patriots Day about? I have I have no idea. I, I really I honestly don't know. I watched the trailer for Deep Water Horizon, which is about oil drilling. I no think. no yeah it's about the Deep Water disaster. Yeah okay, and Deep Water Horizon. 
and then I saw Patriots Day, and I saw it was also directed by Peter Berg and watching Mark Wahlberg, and I just thought to myself, like, I, I can't do this to myself. I cannot watch a second Berg Wahlberg vehicle, trailer vehicle. I, I just can't do it. Ooh. Oh, Patriots Day is about the Boston Marathon bombing. That's right. Yeah, that... And I just was like... Uh, did I, did I they? Know. Did they? I, I just imagine them filming Deepwater Horizon, and for any scenes that they're like on land, I just imagine Mark Wahlberg looking around the set one day and being like, "You know, this looks like Boston." <laughs> and Peter Berg's like, "You know, he does. You want to do a marathon bombing movie?" And he's like, "Yeah, sure. Why not?" And then they just repurpose the sets from. Deepwater Horizon to shoot Patriots Day <laughs> at the same time. Yeah. Because, like, why not? Right. The, you know what interests me, though, is Mark, Mark Wahlberg's politics. Maybe even Peter Berg's, for that matter. Mm-hmm. Like, Mark Wahlberg, that's the guy who basically said, United 93 wouldn't have gone down with me on that right. flight, right? I would be, yeah, right. I would roundhouse all the, the right. terrorists and yeah. boom and choke holes or whatever, right? <laughs> And then he he makes like Lone Survivor, like in Peter Berg, they're like super pro military, right? But then they're not yeah. like conservative stalwarts, like they're not like speaking at, mm-hmm. they're not like following Scott Bayo, right. right? And Michael Bay too. I'm like, what are these guys' politics? I just right. wish I could get a better read on like what's their motivation, you know, for doing. All these kind of like I would not be surprised if they're Donald Trump supporters. Secretly? Maybe not Peter Berg, <laughs> but Michael Bay and Mark Wahlberg definitely strike me as like, yeah, America's way too politically correct. Right? <laughs> right. Like they're definitely Trump supporters, I feel like. Uh Gold, which is a Matthew McConaughey movie. I don't know if I watched the trailer, but I did read that he gained 40 pounds and gave himself a receding hairline for this. Yeah. And at, that was the point where I was like, you've proven yourself, Matthew McConaughey. Everyone has moved past whatever. The McConaissance? Right. Everyone has, no, everyone has moved past the, uh, whatever those movies he did with like Renee Zellweger, or like all those rom-com movies he's, you think he's still trying to exercise yes he's trying demons? to make up right he's trying to make he's up still for going it. yes it's like <laughs> we we have forgiven you this is you need to just like joseph gordon levitt you need to calm down a little bit just take a break right mm-hmm. just make something lighthearted, right yeah yeah i i i don't know much more than the premise but it just seems like treasure of the sierra madre Updated. What if he gained 40 pounds by eating gold? <laughs> I feel like I need to enjoy I, this. This character needs to live off of gold. Yeah. Uh, Miss Peregrine's Home for Peculiar Children, which is the next Tim Burton movie. I have a simple question for you. Okay. Is Tim Burton dead to you? I don't know if Tim Burton was ever alive mm-hmm. for me. I've never been a huge... I liked Big Fish, although I feel like if I revisited that movie, I would regret ever liking that right. movie. Uh, I liked... 
something else he did. Batman? I, no. Well, he I mean, of like course, when I was a kid. Yeah. When I was a kid. No, no, still, it holds up. Oh, I haven't, I haven't seen it. Uh, Beetlejuice. Beetlejuice I do like a lot. Edward Scissorhands. Edward Scissorhands I liked, but... Did you see um, Ed Wood? No, I didn't see Ed Wood. That's his best movie. But I, I, Tim Burton hasn't done anything good in decades, and I don't think he's going to do anything good. Decades? Yes. It, remember, it's 2016. So, did you watch a trailer for this one? I did. I saw a trailer for the, in the theaters, and that was, that was the only thing I'm cur- curious about. Is this a kid's movie? There's no way. This is not a kid's movie, right? Well, that's the thing. Because it looks terrifying. It looks terrifying. <laughs> There's no way I'm taking my kids to see this movie. Yeah, well, I mean, that's kind of what he's doing now. Right. It's like, what is that movie? Who's that movie? Even Alice in Wonderland. Right. Like, who is this humor for? And what is this? What's the visual style for? Like, I don't get it. Um, okay, so you, you, did you see Sweeney Todd? Yes. Didn't like it? No. Oh, decades. I guess decades. This... No, I'm going to pull it up right here. So it's 2016. So 2000 and. Okay, we'll go back. So in 2005. Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Terrible. Be, be, because he made Sleep, Sleepy Hollow is his last great movie. Do you agree with that? 1999. Uh, I'd have to watch Sleepy Hollow again. Uh, okay. Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Terrible. Corpse Bride. Didn't see it. Sweeney Todd. Bad. I liked it. Uh, Alice in Wonderland. Terrible. Bad. Dark Shadows. Bad. Didn't see it. Frankenweenie. Better than I thought it would be. Bad. Did you see it? No. Okay. Big Eyes. Bad. Miss Peregrine's Home for... There's, a, <laughs> there's an exotic armor piece in Destiny called Peregrine Greaves. And every single time I see this title, I want to say Miss Peregrine's Greaves. Miss Peregrine Greaves. So over the past decade, he has not made a good movie. A movie that you would say you should take time out of your night to watch this. Depending on who you are, I might recommend Sweeney Todd to you or even Frankenweenie. I would say that any friend you recommended Sweeney Todd to is not your friend. Because I secretly want to hurt them. Right. Uh, denial. Uh, you, you, you put this on the list. Again, this- historical movie does not take place in my lifetime. Not interested. This one seems interesting to me just based on what it says. It seems very Oscar baity, but uh, it's basically a woman gets sued by a Holocaust denier yeah. for like defamation of character. Because basically she goes out and says, like, you know, he's repugnant or ridiculous or whatever else. And so it's like a court case looking at that. And I find that that is interesting. And I'm interested in it from the perspective of, like, our internet culture today. Where mm-hmm. you can say anything and where, like, the rational voices don't really have a platform a lot of times. Because you can just run to your corners or be like, 
you know, research, study for yourself, you know, see that my way is right. My little obscure, you know, wrong thinking, unsupportable perspective is right. Yeah. You know, so I find that it could say some interesting things. Uh, I hope that it says in an interesting way mm-hmm. or else why did you have to go back to history? You know what I mean? Like then just make a current movie about internet culture. Right. Um, <clears throat> but it's got good actors. So I'm, I'm interested in denial, but I'm not, you know, ecstatic. Yeah. And I should say when I, the, the things like, I want to be the person who's like super into history, right? Who knows all this historical knowledge. I just can't do it for some reason. It just does none of it registers with me. I just immediately tune out. Right. But like when it comes to, to like a movie, like the hateful eight, I will be interested to see that because it's telling fictional. its own story. It's fictional. Even if it's not, it, I mean, like even like Game of Thrones, right? It's not historical per se, but it one of the purposes of that of those books is to give you an idea of what living in this time was like, right? Like obviously this is a fictional land with fictional things happening all around, but some of the tenets of like medieval lifestyle, some is, of the references, is yeah. there, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so so that is interesting to me, but like I I don't know, just like nonfiction historical pieces. They just don't, uh, they just don't do it for me. You know what? I always go back to for a historical representation of an, of an actual, you know, kind of depiction of how it looked like in like the medieval ages when a fictional film, you know, what I always go to in my mind, Monty Python quest for Holy <laughs> Grail. It's the, uh, the lower class in the mud. They're all they're doing is collecting mud uh-huh. and arguing <laughs> politics. <laughs> I I I find that to probably be the most accurate yeah. depiction of what life was back then. Yeah, yeah, it's true. Have you seen uh, Have you seen the um, primitive technology guy on YouTube? No. So there's this guy on YouTube who is like a somewhat of a mystery. He does like one video a month. They're not monetized. They're just like, it's just, I mean, he's given a, he's, he's done like maybe a Reddit AMA. He's answered some questions somewhere. He's just like, I'm not monetizing this because I'm not trying to make money from it. Like, this is just a hobby that I do on my weekends. And he basically goes out into the woods with nothing like cargo shorts on and like makes these technologies from just whatever is in the woods. It's in um, Australia, right? Mm-hmm. Where he's Australian. Um, but like 90% of his videos are just him gathering mud and clay and like scooping mud out of like riverbanks and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> that's exactly, that's exactly it. Yeah. I feel like, I feel like that's the truly subversive thing about Monty Python's quest for Holy Grail is that there's the deep researched history slid in there. Yeah. Like the woman who's beating the cat in the background. <laughs> I'm sure that's probably like a historical reference. Right. Yeah. Um, the girl on the train, which I don't know much about the movie. I watched from the the director of the help. Yeah. Okay. There you go. I watched the trailer today. The help is a bad movie, right? I didn't watch that either, but by all accounts, it's a bad movie. Uh, so are you interested in this? I read the book. 
Okay. Because I was promised like a Gone Girl-esque mm-hmm. narrative. It has a great premise. A really, really great premise. Mm-hmm. Which is basically this distraught woman who is coming off of a divorce. Um, is drinking a little too much. And on her um, way to work on a train, she observes this couple that is either right by the house of her ex-husband. Yeah, I think that's it. And she makes up like a, like a fake narrative about their life. Mm-hmm. Try and like make hers just, she's grasping at straws for anything to make her life a little better. Mm-hmm. Every morning she drives by and she like, will see them and then make up uh, details of their life. And then she either thinks that, I think she goes by one morning and thinks that she sees something sinister happen Mm -hmm. but she's also like drunk Mm -hmm. um and so she can't be sure of what she saw she's not reliable it could all be in her head and it's mixing with this like false narrative that she has and she starts trying to like investigate on her own right great premise yeah and then the book completely craps the bed in the end i mean it it just does not stick the landing at all and when I see the director of the help and I see the trailer, I'm like, this is an, this is again, feels like a studio showing a director for hire. Mm-hmm. Who's basically like a yes man. Like, give me a, a script, sir. Mm-hmm. I'll do whatever you want, sir. And they're like, go watch gone girl a hundred times. Right. <laughs> Take this book. We just got the rights to right. make it like that movie. Mm-hmm. And then he gave it his best shot. But how can, how much can we expect from that? Especially when the book craps the bed. Yeah. What do you think? Uh, I, the feeling I got from the trailer is it's one of those trailers where it's like, oh, I've seen all the whole movie now. I don't need to watch the movie. Did you watch the trailer? Yeah. You, I mean, I can honestly say you didn't. Okay. Given, given the twist that happened in the book, there's enough that they have not shown in the uh, trailer to make it worth your while just to like figure the story out. But the story as in the book is very stupid. So. Yeah. Yeah. It, 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 to me, it, the, that premise is interesting. The movie itself from the trailer, it doesn't look like anything more than a glorified dateline episode. Yeah. Uh, the accountant Ben Affleck movie where he plays some sort of savant. Apparently I've seen a trailer. I don't know what it's about. Yeah, I'm not sure either. Jack Reacher. I hated the first one. Okay. <laughs> it has a great opening five minutes. That's where everyone says I'll agree with that. Uh-huh. And the rest of it is god awful. Yeah. So you're not interested in the sequel. Can you read what's the title after the uh, colon? Never go back. <laughs> no problem, Jack. <laughs> I won't. Uh, bleed for this. I don't even know what this is. Oh, can, can can we go back to to that really quick? Why do movies name themselves such obvious, like satirical parodies of mm-hmm. what they're doing? Like, here's a sequel, and you've called it "Never Go Back." Right. Like you're going back to the well. Why <laughs> right. would you do that? You know. Yeah. Um. Bleed for this. Yeah. Miles Teller's boxing movie. Okay. And based on a true story, happened in the last 10 years, though, apparently, 
Okay. Um, a boxer, young, arrogant boxer gets in a car wreck or something. Uh-huh. <laughs> like totally destroys his neck. Has mm-hmm. to be in one of those like head things. Neck, me- you know, metal braces. Mm-hmm. And they're like, you'll never box again. But guess what, Justin? He, he boxes, he boxes again. again. Um. <laughs> and on on the Fraudcast, I was listening to an old episode. Uh-huh. And it was funny. They were talking about Creed. And they were talking about um, how much they liked it. And how much they, they liked the fact that it, they made, you know, Michael B. Jordan's character in Creed, like, rich. Because he's the son of Apollo Creed. So, of course, uh-huh. he's going to be, like, wealthy. Right. And how they're like, just that is a subversion of, like, you know, every other boxing movie is, like, I got nothing, mm-hmm. you know, I'm a nobody. I got to fight to eat to whatever. Yeah. And here, here's a rich guy. And then they were talking about like boxing films that have, have like African-Americans in it mm-hmm. and they're struggling to like think of them. They're, like they don't really make any. And then somebody's like, oh, they don't make a lot of boxing movies. And they're like, no, just this year, the year that Creed came out, they're like, they're like four white boxing movie, yeah. like Southpaw. Mm-hmm. Um, there was, the fighter that's going back a few years though, but they rattled off a few other ones. And, uh, I was like, it, so it just made me like, like, yeah, we have too many white boxing movies of like the white guy who's mm-hmm. overcoming adversity. And this is like the ultimate, like the white man's down, but not beaten. <laughs> <laughs> I find it hard to cheer for that, for, for miles Teller. Yeah. Uh, I believe this is called Billy Flynn's Long Halftime Walk. Billy Lynn? Billy Flynn? Is it Billy Lynn? Billy Lynn? Billy Flynn? I don't know. Uh, it's being directed by Ang Lee. Mm-hmm. Not interested. Did you watch the trailer? Yes. So, apparently, this movie is a quote-unquote game changer. For you, what game? Have you heard that one before? What game, though? He has apparently filmed it in 120 frames per second in 3D. Yes, I did hear that. I did hear about that. So his his innovation like is purely technical. Apparently he's really, you know, proud of it or whatever. Um this one takes like looks like the light between oceans Mm -hmm. melodrama. Mixing it with like Hacksaw Ridge mm-hmm. action. Um, it doesn't seem very interesting to me. And I don't know. It seems so like theatrical mm-hmm. and stagey. I think I had a problem too. Just like the trailer. I hate the like when the main character is like and introducing, mm-hmm. you know, this like new kid. Ca- it's like. Unless it's a kid. Yeah. Right. You yeah. Don't, you don't need this to do that. This guy's 35. It's just an actor. <laughs> Right. This, this is just a guy who hasn't been cast in anything yet. This isn't the 1930s where we're like <laughs> breaking out the new Shirley Temple, you know, and introducing the person who's going to steal your hearts, you know? Yeah. It's like, no, this is just a guy who who's going to be in the next Nicholas Sparks adaptation next year. Right. And that's it, you know? So I don't know. I, I That kind of turned me off. And I don't know, man. I feel like maybe I also have, have reached my limit on just like here's 
another war movie where I get, I, those stories need to be told. I completely sympathize with that, but I'm saying tell the character story. If you're trying to blow me away with action, I don't know what else I haven't seen yet Mm -hmm. explode Mm -hmm. in a, in a war setting, but who knows? I love Ang Lee. Do you love Ang Lee? I love Ang Lee. What movies of his have you loved? Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon okay. is literally top five all time. So maybe, named, maybe top ten. So you've named one movie he's made out of what? How many? Listen. 20? Do you love Bob Dylan? 17. Yes. How many albums has Bob Dylan done? How many yeah. albums do you have to love in order for Bob Dylan to be somebody that you more than More love? than one. More than one. Okay, yeah. So Ang Lee has made more than one. Life of Pi. I, I really liked it, actually. Taking Woodstock. Next. Lust Caution. You know, I liked it. Brokeback Mountain. Yeah, I really liked it. Hulk. Hated it. Crouching Tiger, Hinge Riding, Ride with the Devil, The Ice Storm. Sense I like Ride with the Devil. I love Ice Storm. Sense of Sensibility, I love too. I'll hold that up there. Again, this is, the, but this is another guy who has struggled in the past 10 years. This next turn apparently is called Thrilla in Manila. I'm looking at it T-H-R-I-L-L-A. right now. So that's obviously about Muhammad Ali. Right. Obviously about Muhammad Ali. Apparently, he only has one. He only has one cast signed on. That's Mike Gas. Gasaway. No idea. He's a stunt guy. <laughs> Lucas, I love because he's the only one in the cast right now. This is like Southern Texas guy in a denim long sleeve shirt. <laughs> yeah, giving a big goofy smile. Because he's in it, I'll definitely see it. <laughs> right. Uh, the next Robert Zemeckis film, speaking of struggling directors, the next yeah. Robert Zemeckis film, Allied, which, again, I've watched the trailer for, I believe. It's not ringing a bell right now. I saw a screen cap that wasn't supposed to be funny, mm-hmm. but made me laugh out loud. Right. And it was a, just somebody got a picture of Marion Cotillard, mm-hmm. who I think is in it. Oh, right. And Brad Pitt. And Brad Pitt. Mm-hmm. They play spies that fall in love. Yeah. And I never heard of that before. And the picture that they, that this website and literally the, the, the website was not trying to make fun of it. Mm-hmm. It was just, um, a picture that they grabbed and it showed Marion Cotillard in a hospital bed, uh-huh. apparently giving birth <laughs> while the hospital around her exploded. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I remember that. I did watch the trailer. I remember that moment from the trailer. Yeah. And I was like, oh, we're going to see a <laughs> exploding hospital delivery, right. apparently. And you see like Brad Pitt running t- towards her. <laughs> and I just, just the image of a woman giving birth while a hospital around her exploded just struck me as so hilarious. Yeah. That I was just like, I don't, I don't know if that's, if that's how it's going to feel. But I could definitely see myself like quietly cackling through this mm-hmm. overwrought movie because Robert Zemeckis really feels like a guy who's just like completely off. Like he doesn't know where he is. I feel mm-hmm. like he's fallen in this like CG 
uncanny valley universe like he just made too many of those films and now he's lost he just doesn't know what's real anymore so like man on wire or uh what do you call it he can call it man on wire he called it the wire yeah is just this amalgamation of like technology and overblown characters yeah i'm like this man he made who framed roger rabbit i imagine that he's walking through the world right now and seeing half the world like toonville <laughs> in who framed roger rabbit like half the characters that he bumps into are just like cg characters he just doesn't know what's real anymore yeah uh Speaking of directors who are struggling, this might be our most controversial silence by Martin Scorsese. Apparently clocking in right now at three hours and 45 minutes. Yeah. Um, I don't think Scorsese's struggling. I love Martin Scorsese. This movie sounds so boring to me. Again, historical, true story, not in my lifetime hit the snooze i like like i'm done i love nothing about that appeals to me i i don't have the energy or the time but i'd love to (laughs) compile the rules and things that you've added over the years but this is my this is my favorite one based on true story (laughs) historical equaling over 10 years justin's gonna no historical meaning not in my lifetime (laughs) not in your lifetime i love it um you know, I, I have and to. And it's four hours long. Like, come oh, three hours on. and 45 minutes. Here's the thing about Scorsese. Over four hours with trailers if you see it in the theater. Yeah, here, here's the thing. Scorsese, his weakest films are his historical ones. Right. Minus Age of Innocence, which is really good. But I think he really struggles when it comes to, like, his last lifelong passion project was the DiCaprio butcher bill the gangs of New York which starts off as a good movie and ends up yeah it quickly I mean that movie is terrible and to think that that movie I remember being so excited because I was like he's worked so long and hard to get this movie off the ground like He's going to have a blast telling this story. And he completely screwed the pooch. And what is the, the, this is about two Jesuit priests priests who go to Japan. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't know, man. That just sounds so boring. Yeah. Any, I feel like any story can sound boring. All right. Well then make it not sound boring. Two small guys try and go to Mordor. Try to go to this mountain to throw a ring into it. Yeah, no thanks. You're describing a movie I'm not interested in. You're describing in. <laughs> some of the best movies made in the last 10 years, <laughs> Justin. <laughs> that totally falls within your, your parameters. Okay, this is a movie that I'm a little surprised. The notes you have perhaps tied with Blair Witch for most anticipated, La La Land, which is a musical, right? Yeah. So... uh Sell me on this movie. Ryan Gosling, who's it directed by? Damien Chazelle. Who's done? Whiplash. Okay, I didn't see Whiplash. You didn't see Whiplash? See Whiplash. But this is a straight-up musical, right? Like, there are musical numbers in the movie. Mm -hmm. So why are you so eager to see this movie? 
one of my favorite Woody Allen movies of all time is Everyone Says I Love You, mm-hmm. which is a musical. I have a soft spot for musicals. They're like outside the boundaries of like Oklahoma or like get everyone on a soundstage. Um, I love Damien Chazelle's work so far mm-hmm. uh, from what I've seen from him. And the first trailer for this looks visually like stunning. Mm-hmm. Like, I think it looks amazing. So you put all that into a package for me and I'm going to love it. But I agree. I, I see that has a, a, maybe not a high bar, but it has a bar that you need to clear, which is number one, you can deal with musicals, you know, that mm-hmm. you have to put up with, you know, them being able to pull off the music mm-hmm. in a movie and the visuals, which I understand a lot of people have limited patience for when everyone just starts singing and dancing. But I love those moments. Um, and Damien Chazelle really looks like he has brought like a real visual sense to this. And so I'm on board. And the first uh, song is just this melancholy piano ballad. Mm-hmm. I'm, a, I'm a sucker for that. So for me, it's like hitting all my right chords. Mm-hmm. I understand if somebody watches it and is like, I don't want to see, see, you know, basically what seems like the storyline of Blue Valentine as a musical. Mm-hmm. For me, the biggest problem is not necessarily the musical aspect does not help. So right. It definitely does not help. But I'll say. The only thing above historical dramas, I'll say this. Number one, with a bullet, comic book movies on my will not watch list. Mm-hmm. Nothing is touching that for the next couple of years. If right? there's one genre you could wipe out entirely, would it be comic book movies just of interest? No. Oh, okay. But I'm not going to watch them. Just... Uh, second place, a, a distant second place, <clears throat> but above historical. Oh, we got another not, role. Not in my lifetime. Okay. Uh, true stories. <clears throat> and I'll say this. I want to be into those things. I just, but I'm just not. I just know as soon as it starts, within 15 minutes, I will be asleep. Second place, movies about Hollywood. There's a lot of land about, I mean, I don't know that it's about Hollywood. I know that it takes place in Los Angeles. I mean, it's called La La Land. Yeah. But I mean, I don't, I don't know how much of it has to do with like, I'm trying to be a, I don't know. Maybe it does. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see. Oh, wait. Will we see Justin? Well, I mean, I'll, I'll, I'm sure I'll read something about it. No, but will you watch it? No. I mean, if somebody comes out and says, yes, it's a musical, but you absolutely have to see this movie. If that is like the consensus, what if I say that? No, if that is the what consen- if that is you, the consensus, you don't go off the of Rotten consensus. Tomatoes Tomato Meter says this is not a this is a musical. Yes, but you have to see it. Then I will go see it. I feel like you you use you bend Rotten Tomatoes <laughs> to your will. There have been movies where I'm like Justin, let's go see it again. And you're like Rotten Tomatoes. I'm like Rotten Tomatoes says it's good. You're like I don't care. And it's other a, times you'd be like it's a barometer. If the consensus is 
that this is what a masterpiece is that what you're saying like yes so the consensus yes. has to be not good yes not decent masterpiece it has to be masterpiece yes. for you to go yes because why because it's a musical because i don't want to see it and there are other things i'd rather do with my time there, like, are, play there are other things i can watch yes like play destiny the try, expansion try and, comes out in less than a month. Try and get Lil Thank Sonic you very much. On your team? There's no way I'm getting anywhere near Lil Sonic. All right, last mainstream movie we have to talk about. There's no trailer for it. There's not a whole lot of news about it. Except it's the first sex scene that Jennifer Lawrence is doing with what? Chris Pratt. Passengers. Is there going to be skin? I don't know. Is it rated yet, Justin? I need to know. <laughs> um... Was Mr. Skin.com <laughs> um, Wait, what was your question? Passengers. I don't have a question. Are you interested oh. in seeing it? So, it's being directed by somebody. Noteworthy. Yeah, it's is being directed by somebody. I don't think they've turned over movie making to robots yet. But I'm sure we're getting there. Um, this is what I'll say again. Chris, Chris Pratt don't care for him i haven't really seen him anything but he just seems like I, I don't get the appeal jennifer lawrence is the epitome of the uh i'm just like you celebrity right oh, let yeah. me tell you something people who like jennifer lawrence she is nothing like you right she is don't fall so for it. far not you that it is incomprehensible I don't care how many times she trips or picks her nose or rips a fart during interview. Like she is nothing like an average person, right? This is like a, a beautiful, super rich Hollywood star. Like she's not relatable. She is not into the things you're into. Like that whole facade drives me crazy. Um, so Basically, it's directed by Morton Tildum, who did he did a, a foreign movie okay. called Headhunters. I, I take it back. <laughs> yeah, that the people loved, and it's not. I did not enjoy Headhunters, and he did um, the. Oh shoot! What's the movie called? The Imitation Game. I've heard of it. I didn't see yeah, it. it's not very good. It's. It is basically your Oscar. It's like what Jeff Nichols is, you know, shooting for with loving. It's right. just give me an Oscar. Um, but yes, this one is like on a voyage to a distant colony. Right. Two space travelers are awakened sixty years early. Yeah. So. Um, and get it on. Well, what else would you do? You know. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, okay, here's, here's a question. You're married. Mm -hmm. Your wife is in the stasis chamber beside yours. Mm -hmm. You wake up. A random another woman wakes up. You're going to spend your lifespan on this ship with this other person before you get to the colony. Mm -hmm. Do you just start your new life right there with your frozen wife? Uh, next to you all or or do you so if i don't does humanity die is humanity wiped no, away forever they're, they're going to a colony 
So oh, this is just no. about your this is this trip. Is, this is the problem with all of these. Be honest, no one's listening. Sure. This is the problem with all of these scenarios for me in particular. These scenarios of like you have no imagination. No. These scenarios of like, uh, if if you if you were divorced or if your wife left you or if you left your wife, like, like if this doesn't work out. Just leave me alone for the rest of my life. You know what I mean? Like I don't want I don't want something else. Like if I wake up with another person, I would just be like, why does this other person have to be awake? Right? So so you you're basically like you're giving marriage a one shot chance. So but you're in your scenario you're saying basically we both wake up and we will both be dead before anybody else ever wakes up. Do we start our own? But even then you're looking at like, so then that means my wife is going to wake up and then be like, see your skeletons <laughs> in mesh. <laughs> no, but they're going to be like, oh, that's the family that my husband started with somebody else while I was cryogenically frozen. <laughs> you're right. I wasn't even about like fully starting a family. I was basically like, why not at least have a relationship? Oh, I'm not see what saying, saying that you have to like, like you know, reproduce. Mm-hmm. But you're you're gonna be like, hey, I'm in the prime of my life. Mm-hmm. You're in the prime of your life. Why not? Let's just like, I mean, keep it, each other company. It feels like that would almost. What's the opposite of that? Like, it feels like that would be forced to happen because you're the only two people awake on like a in like a van, basically, right? <laughs> In like well, a giant living room. Yeah. Going to be in a giant living room for 60 years where your 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 spouse is frozen. <laughs> Constantly to and your right, right there. to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> and where there's a malfunction on yours, so it could happen again at any moment. Right, that's true. All right. So basically you do it. <laughs> sure. Okay. Um, okay, so before we move on, let's talk about most anticipated mainstream movie Blair Witch Blair Witch I think it has to be Blair Witch for me as well um but I want to say Arrival is up there I'm just worried about Blair Witch see I'm I'm taking your worry and I'm probably pushing it towards Arrival because I just I just have a feeling like this isn't, you know, Denis Villeneuve, I, I have the idea, right? He kind of made, because he's making a Blade Runner sequel. Mm-hmm. And I thought I heard they kind of did the arrival, like, enemy. He just did it, like, really quick. Mm-hmm. That's kind of, it seems like that's what he does. Um, I don't know that he has, like, the budget to, like, I just don't see the aliens, like, breaking out and being, like, disaster movie, you mm-hmm. know? So I just, I get, the more I think about it, the more I, I get the sense of like, the aliens look scary, but they're not. And it's going to be Amy Adams, like standing between the tanks and the alien spaceship being like, no, don't shoot them. Mm-hmm. I just don't want to see that, mm-hmm. you know? So, but, you know, he took a premise in Enemy and completely made it something new and original mm-hmm. and exciting. Yeah. So he can do that. So I'm hoping he does that with Arrival, but I just, my fear is that he's just like, 
let's make a positive movie, hopeful alien movie. Let's get it out there. Let's do yeah. it quick. So I'm, I'm trying to have better feelings about Blair Witch. Yeah. Uh, this is actually something I want to say about Arrival. You watch the trailer? Yeah. That's Amy Adams in the trailer, right? Yep. Her hair is red. unnaturally red. That is not a natural shade of red in that trailer. And she naturally has red hair, right? I don't like, know. They've done something to her hair to make it look like neon red. It is crazy looking in that trailer. Yeah. And that's coming from somebody who has basically hair. neon red hair. Yeah. So that, maybe that is what.